Hello, everyone, and welcome back to <laughs> welcome to episode one sixty of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind, and I am Kayla Moria. We are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how's it going? We are a paranormal podcast. We're apparently also a government conspiracy theory podcast these last few weeks. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm happy. I also kind of can't wait till episode 161 where we should just do strictly just like two ghosty Ghosts? stories. Okay. Can we just do two okay. ghosty yeah. stories? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Because my brain is about to like scramble and then dribble out of my ears from the overthinking that government conspiracy theories give me. It is, yes, it is very, very much overwhelming. Yeah. Because, because a lot, you know, I love a good mystery and yet I also hate it with a bloody passion. I love mystery and I love, I, I like doing these stories every once in a while. Right. But- when we've just been, can, both of us have been consistently doing it now yep. for so much that my brain is like, too much thinking. This is supposed to be the fun part. <laughs> I just want to talk about a ghost cat at the Palmer House Hotel. Like, that's all I want to do with my life. I don't want to have to decide whether or not something is real, if there's some sort of like... I don't want to have to decide <sighs> if people are just collectively terrible about something or... If the government is out to get us all, are we going to be taken away for covering these subjects on the podcast? Like, there's all these things that my brain just goes off on. So, yeah. And as I say this, knowing what I know. Uh-huh. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I know what your topic is. Yeah. And I, I hear where this is going. <laughs> I, hear, I hear it. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know. Drinking wine, hanging out with you, it's a double good, whammy of an episode. It's a good way to go, you know? It, it is a good way to go. It's a good way to celebrate the release of your gallbladder. Yes. My gallbladder is going bye, bye, bye in three days. Bye, 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 bye. Want to be a fool for you? Are you ready for a couple jokes or two? I am. Okay. What type of coffee does a vampire drink? I have no idea decaffeinated that doesn't even make sense don't look at me i don't make the jokes the jokes are on the card i know but it makes me feel better to point out that it doesn't make <laughs> sense because obviously i wouldn't have guessed that what do you get when you cross the abominable snowman and pasta alfredo spaghetti spaghetti no <laughs> No, Kayla. No. That is that is not an okay joke. I didn't like either of those. Pick because, a new card. Because we recorded these in the same night as last week as episode 159. By the way, we're on episode 160. We are so close to episode 169. <laughs> but with that in mind, shall we? We're still drinking wine. Shall we? Crack into it? Clink into it? Let's clink into it. Oh, oh that, that was, was almost pretty. Oh, yeah. that was like almost as perfect as the, and that's why we drink sound. Yeah, but I'm, you know, they, they did that multiple times to get that take. And you did that in one. I'm feeling very impressed. You should be. I hope this is, this is the positivity that you needed to continue after my on. story. <laughs> after how angry I still sound. <laughs> 
And it's not your fault. It's not like I'm angry at you. Mel, what the fuck? Anyway, disappear on me like that. Anyway. <laughs> disappear on everyone. But it's me. I take it personally. All right. So this week, remember how a lot in the like first year of this, we would constantly reference how many like episodes had conflicting sources. And we'd say like, you know, I'm just going with the source that has the most like consistent information. We did that a lot yeah. because when you're talking about things that are up for debate about how believable they are or not. Right. There is often conflicting information and sources. Although I'm glad we don't do that as much because it's just kind of self-evident unless it's something really bad. Okay. So for this week. Is it really bad? There are a lot of conflicting sources out here. <laughs> so forgive me if things sound a little all over the place. I tried my best. And that's, but that's all we ask of you, Kayla. This is a very expansive topic. So I'm trying to like keep it reined in while include as many details and information as I can when I talk to y'all about the Roswell incident and Area 51. It really should be the green button. Right? It feels weird that it's the blue one. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to replace that green one with the the more you know sound. <laughs> the more you know sound should be pink. It gives pink vibes. Okay, so on June 14th of 1947, a rancher named W.W. Mack Brazel and his son Vernon were driving across their ranch land some 75 to 80 miles northwest of Roswell, New Mexico. As they're driving around, they encountered something they'd never seen before. Uh, it was, in Brazel's words, a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tinfoil, and rather tough paper and sticks. Okay, so like a middle schooler's craft project exploded. In, on, his, on his land, which okay. I can't remember if I threw this in there at some point or not, but he's a sheep farmer. Which is why oh, I got so excited because no, the sheep because they're in New Mexico, and then you talked a lot about sheep last episode. This is just it's all coming together. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> I think it's just I'm used to Minnesota. We have no sheep here. No, we really don't. So he found this wreckage. It was apparently metallic-looking, lightweight fabric that was scattered, shredded across all the gravel and sagebrush of his land. Okay. Brazel obviously didn't know what these things were or why they were on his land. So on July 4th, he went and collected up all the mysterious items he could find. On July 7th, he took it all to Roswell and brought it to their sheriff, George Wilcox, being like, hey, this shit showed up. What do I do with it? Right. Because perhaps a crime happened. Yeah. He was just like, I don't know what this is. Uh, I feel like I should report it because it feels weird to just ignore. It didn't look like... Your typical trash. No, it sounds very specific and shiny. Mm-hmm. And I assume this is before the idea of putting tinfoil on your head. Yes. Uh, was, it was a thing. As far as I know, anyway. So Sheriff Wilcox, too, was confused. He contacted Colonel Butch Blanchard, commander of the Roswell Army Airfield's 509th Composite Group, located just outside of town. And then Blanchard brought in his superior... General Roger W. Ramey, 
and Major Jesse Marcel, who was an intelligence officer from the base. So we've got a few military people involved. We went from farmer to sheriff to military. And up the ranks. Up the ranks, yep. Okay. Next thing uh, <laughs> Brazel knew, Air Force soldiers were combing his field, gathering mysterious debris and whisking it away in different vehicles. Okay, see, I know you're going to ask me my my skeptic scale on this one, and right off the bat, alarm bells are ringing because what if if it's just like rubber and tin foil? Why would the sheriff oh, like th- bring it up to the the military, and then why would the military care? They'd oh, yeah. be like, "Oh, this is this is a kid's school project." Okay, so we didn't talk about this yet, but this is an episode takeover. This is my whole episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll get there. Trust me. Oh, so um, I've got this little picture. It's in I printed it, so it's in black and white. Okay, but it is about uh Mr. Marcel holding like parts of the debris. So the picture was in black and white actually on the website too, but it kind of conveys a more shininess. Oh yeah, it's from 1947. Yeah. It kind of conveys like a shininess to it. And there were a few more pictures of them like kind of combing through all of this. You know what this looks like? It looks like when you're in a in a horrible space blanket. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like it looks when you like get into a, an accident. A, a space blanket. Yeah. Yep. We had space blankets uh, in my car for emergencies for a while because they take up a lot less space, but they insulate really well. Right. And that's kind of what it looks like. That That's totally what it looks like. Okay. So the military base's public information officer, Walter Hout, worked with a local journalist to release a newswire report about this whole incident. Quote, The many rumors regarding the flying disc, because by the way, at this point, they've just started calling it a flying disc. But it was just garbage. Right? This is garbage that's found. And I cannot find in all of my research where we came up with flying disc. Wow. That PR guy, he made a really big mistake. He gave them more information than he needed to. So. The rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence offices of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force Roswell Army Airfield was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of the county. So, to kind of interject here, I think that this might have stemmed from Prior to this, there was reports of, like, a German test flight thing of these, like, airplanes that looked like weird discs. Because it's 1947. Yes. So I think that might be where the disc part comes in, but I couldn't find anything definite. Like, when I was doing all of this research, it kept taking me off on 3,000 different different side, like, side articles, but then they weren't related. So I was, I'm trying to, like, zoom all of this in. And as we discuss it, try to, so if you ask me questions, I might find something that is in here that I haven't written down Mm -hmm. because I, I, you read it and you're like, I don't know if this is relevant. I would say on average, I spend probably like six to 10 hours on a story. I have spent probably a good 20 to 30 on this and it's not even as long as I think it could have been. Right. So, well, you got to make it as concise as possible. Exactly. 
I still think that that PR guy gave away way more information than he needed to. All right. He could have just went, there was garbage. <laughs> no worries, guys. It was just garbage. And we'll get to that. Trust me. Okay. Okay. So the quote goes on. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time as he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters, unquote. Oh. So they're saying this base went, picked it up, and they were like, all right, we're giving it to people higher up than us. Right. You know, that, I mean, I'm, gl- I'm glad that they told the truth, but also yeah. I feel like they're giving more information than they needed to. On July 8th of that same year, 1947, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell region was the headline story for the Roswell Daily Record, an article where Marcel decided to release a statement. So the government's just all about this right now. Huh. The body of the story contained a dramatic, memorable sentence that says, The intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field has come into possession of a flying saucer. Unquote. (sighs) What a weird They're just fully, they're leaning in. They're leaning in. Okay. On July 9th, an Air Force official clarified the paper's report, saying that the alleged flying saucer was only a crashed weather balloon. However, to anyone who had seen the debris or the newspaper's photographs of it, because they did submit photographs. Right. Quote, it was clear, unquote, that... Whatever this thing was, it was no weather balloon. Okay, I have to I have to look something up really quick. All these all these like flying saucer things, everyone always says they're weather balloons and you know what? I have no idea what a weather balloon looks like. I think you'll understand it when you see it, but there is later in this a little bit of clarification as to why like they're like, "Oh, it's no weather balloon." And then I'll explain more in a little bit. Okay, this is exactly how I thought a weather balloon would look. It's literally just a sphere. Yeah. That's not a saucer. But it would be a squished weather balloon. But if you're looking at it from underneath, they just see round. Just staying left of skeptic here. Okay. All right. I mean, these these reports are not helping their case. I'm just saying. So some people believed, and some still believe, that the crashed vehicle had not come from earth at all it was not a weather balloon they argued that the debris in brazel's field must have come from an alien spaceship you know what as of right now i agree the roswell morning dispatch a long defunct sister newspaper of the roswell daily record was published it was published in the mornings from 28 to 50 and the dispatch was the type of paper that just covered the quick daily news oh okay so it's like Here's an idea we we thought of, and yep. then the other newspaper goes into it more in depth. Exactly. Okay. But it was the quick daily news, so obviously it reported on the accounts of that discovery. Oh, for sure. Yep. And the unfolding events as related to it from the recovered crashed flying disc outside of Roswell, 
along with any military explanations they could pick up on. So Wait. they were kind of tracking this all. The The Daily Record is the one that released these official statements. Okay, so, sorry. Just trying to follow along. The military called it a disc. Yes. And then later said it was a weather balloon. Yes. Which is a sphere. They're the ones who called it a disc. <laughs> Again, I'll get there. Stop, stop going into what your preconceived notions of a weather balloon are. I am just, I, you know, I'm just confirming <laughs> that I'm paying attention. They said disc. Okay. The paper said flying saucer. Okay. And then later they clarified weather balloon on the next day's article. But the military said disc. <laughs> Continue on. Okay. Okay. So on the 75th anniversary of this whole incident, CBS News dug out some headlines from this time from the Roswell Morning Dispatch, that sister newspaper. On July 9th, 1947, uh, the headline of the Morning Dispatch read, Army debunks Roswell flying disc as world simmers with excitement. Followed by a subheadline that said, Officers say disc is a weather balloon. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so that, that addresses mm -hmm. all, they're like, yeah, I know we said disc, but actually it's a balloon. I'm saying that PR guy must have been fired. <laughs> a sidebar describes then-Sheriff George Wilcox's finding calls from the media around the world as journalists sought information on what could come to be known as the Roswell incident. Ah! Uh, also, okay, I'm sorry. The first thing was July 3rd? 4th. I know the fourth uh, the, was an important date. The discovery was of the of the facts from the farmer was June fourteenth. He went around oh. on July fourth and collected the stuff from collected his property. All the stuff. Okay, wow, what a explosive week! <laughs> I know what for a news and Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> like you, if you were going to be a reporter, it. I mean, Roswell is not that big. Yeah. So, and they, yet they have two newspapers. That's pretty impressive. I don't, uh, I don't know why, but I'm so glad we're drinking wine while we talk about I know. One. Well, it just seems very fitting to like <laughs> swing it around with your hand as you're gesturing wildly about <laughs> conspiracy theories. Um, yeah. What an explosive week of news. <laughs> so it was, it was the fourth to the ninth now. Yep. yep. Huh. Nick Pope, who investigated UFOs for the UK Ministry of Defense, was stoked to see these uncovered headlines because for a long time, people didn't know about these ones from the Morning Dispatch. He said, it's fascinating, this piece of history that time has forgotten. It just shows that 75 years ago, after the Roswell incident, there are still discoveries to be made in the archives. And he added that any historian will tell you that going back to the sources is priceless when it comes to getting an insight into what happened and how those people involved were reacting and perceiving things and what the feeling was in the local community. It's just an amazing glimpse into Roswell in 1947, which is ground zero for this mystery that still endures to this day. You know what? Not only do local historians love it, podcasters love it too. We do. We really do. <laughs> Jiving back into the headlines. <laughs> the Roswell Daily Record headlines related to the 1947 UFO incident have, for some time, been federally trademarked but interesting i was gonna say anyone could just go back and look in the newspaper but yeah 
So they've been federally trademarked and they couldn't be reproduced without permission, which is oh. why like all these different movies, documentaries, things haven't published them because they didn't have access to them. They couldn't be used. I'm sorry. That in of itself is very suspicious. Right? <laughs> which is why I felt, I was like, do I need to include this? I should include you that. You 100% need to put that in there. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is, that is suspicious it's weird that's suspicious it's weird that's weird. weird okay so the roswell incident is one of four ufo related accounts that appear just on the front page of the july 9th 1947 morning dispatch one of four the other items carizozo man sees flying disc joe massey spots disc over roswell and an image of an unknown object in the sky over Seattle, Washington, with a caption that states, is this a flying disc? So this was not the only article in that paper. There were similar discs being seen all around. Just throwing a that out there. A lot of them in Roswell, some of them in Washington. I will also say I didn't put this in my story last week, but there had been a lot of talk about a lot of UFO activity around Mel's Hole. Yep, 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 yep. And that's what partially inspired me covering this was realizing that a lot of this prompted the kind of discussion of the Area 51 Roswell conversation because it was giving me alien vibes. Yes, yes. That black light that just like shot up into the air. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Which also was why I was really impressed with you for covering it because you typically stay away from alien conversation. Well, a lot of it was more leaning towards some sort of yeah portal in time, yeah alternate dimension. Yep. So if anybody kind of gets a bug to go look at all these records, absolutely do so. You can find them online. Oh, they're open now. Yes. Uh, well, some of them are. But it is worth noting <laughs> oh, that the dispatch's front page from this time, the late 1940s, uh, contains instances of language that would not fly today. Oh. And it shouldn't have flown back then. Um, they're definitely a product Racism. of their time. Yeah. And sexism and all of those things. Bad things. Yes, Daily yes, Record yes. Management thought it was important to release them without blacking anything out. They didn't want to make it seem like they were hiding stuff because they're trying to be transparent. So they're basically like, this is the way it is. It's like when Disney releases those things and like, this is the way it was at that time. We recognize that it sucks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yes, they, I mean, honestly, for news records, like when I work for Minnesota Public Radio, for instance, if I were to tweet something, I was not allowed to delete it. Yeah. As a, something that's considered a news organization, even though I was on the music side we don't delete things. All yeah. we could do is make a note as to what information was incorrect in the original tweet. You could only release and edit. You couldn't delete. Exactly. Nor nor should you. Yeah. You can do a retraction. You can do like a, a change in things. But you, and that as was, a news organization, it, it should stay. And that is. was their, their point. They wanted it unedited, unaltered. Exactly. Okay. So... The number of reported encounters with unidentified flying objects exploded in recent years as the military has encouraged pilots to document their, you know, experiences. Yeah. Um, citing 
the, the government encouraged it, citing possible national security threats. But as we've talked about in previous alien episodes, like, it's also just really interesting. Um, <laughs> the incidences acknowledge public typically. So full disclosure, as I'm reading this, I'm looking at what I wrote and it looks a little weird. So if it sounds a little off joint, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yep. 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 So. Along with the newspapers wanting to include all of this information unedited and unaltered, then you have to think about the fact that the number of reported encounters of unidentified aerial phenomenon has exploded in recent years as the military has encouraged pilots to document their experiences, uh, citing, I mean, they said a lot of things. They, they say national security threats. I just think it's really interesting. Yes, it is really interesting. However, though, we did have that incident. What was 2020? When was the thing over? Lake 2021. Superior? 2021. I think. Yes. Like that, that was actually a very specific thing. That was a case of national security. Yes. These incidences acknowledge like typically strange objects, move, like moving strange speeds, zooming at high altitudes, vast distances, all of this. Like, especially over open water or big fields. Like, anything that is not a city. It's like, oh, over the desert, over Lake Superior, over right. Lake Michigan. Right. And honestly, I mean, national security, yes. But also, if if another country has figured out how to move a spacecraft that way. Yeah. We want to know how they did it. So a report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force issued last year found no evidence to suggest that the objects from any of these reports, including Roswell, originated from a foreign adversary or were extraterrestrial in nature. But investigators also could not explain most of the incidences. So they're telling us this is not extraterrestrial. This is not from an adversary, but we also don't know what it is. Okay, but there was literally <laughs> a child's art project strewn about that farmer's land. <laughs> and they couldn't explain where that came from. <laughs> so keeping all of this in mind, the skepticism around all of this just grew more and more. It was like... Late 1940s, we're talking about these things, but they're writing it off as weather balloons, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, as the world moved into the 1950s, the Air Force conducted a series of dummy drops over air bases, test ranges, and unoccupied fields across New Mexico. According to several sources, these dummy drops were meant to test ways for pilots to survive falls from high altitudes. Okay, I was like, you have to explain this more yeah. because what does that mean? So the idea being that they were testing like the ejects, the way that the um, the parachutes worked, kind of all of those things. I mean, that makes sense. So they sent bandaged, featureless dummies with latex skin and aluminum bones. Dummies that looked an awful lot like uh, aliens. <laughs> falling from the sky onto the ground, whereupon military vehicles would then rush in to the landing area to retrieve the bodies as quickly as possible. 
So as much as they try to keep all of this secret, people are seeing these latex-skinned bodies just flying from military aircrafts, and then other military vehicles coming to pick them up. <laughs> okay, so the initial PR guy was an oversharer. This point, undersharer. they're undersharing. <laughs> <laughs> they should have told people this was happening before it happened. They 100%, they should have been, I just wanted to let you know, if you see this happening... This is what that is. Two people who believed that the government was covering up the truth about unidentified aerial phenomenon and the Roswell incident. These dummy drops seemed uh, a little suspicious, a little sus. Mm -hmm. They were Mm -hmm. convinced that these dummies were actually extraterrestrial creatures who were being kidnapped and experimented on by government scientists. Okay. But... Why would they then throw them from a plane? To test their bodies? That's the thing. When you're dealing with something that's extraterrestrial. Oh, you want to see what impact situation. Okay. So that's their ideas. We don't know what kind of experiments they would perform. That is really fucked up. Right? It's a weird idea. Let's just drop them from planes and see what happens. (laughs) So that combined with uh, this flying saucer right that they then said we're like oh it's a weather balloon blah 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 we're leaving people feeling a little sketched yeah yeah i'd feel sketched and then it turned out that the uh army knew more about Brazil's flying saucer slash space debris than they let on yeah i'm not surprised i bet the first pr guy was being honest <laughs> since world war ii a group of geophysicists and oceanographers from Columbia University, New York University, and the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute on Cape Cod. Jesus. Have been working on a top secret espionage project at this, you know, airfield in New Mexico. They called it Project Mogul. Isn't that like a person who has a lot of money? Like an entrepreneur? Mogul, mogul? Like a mogul. I don't actually know what the definition of mogul is. All I can think of is Tom from Parks and Rec, where he says, all I want to be is a mogul. I could be a fragrance mogul. I could be a sports mogul. I could be a mogul mogul. I don't know what it actually means. It is an important and powerful person, especially in the motion picture and media industry. I'm gonna, I want to be a it's podcast also a, mogul. It's also a steam locomotive. Three three pairs of driving wheels and one pair of smaller wheels in the front. Good to know. Anyway, Project Mogul used a sturdy high-altitude balloon to carry low-frequency sound sensors into tropopause, which is apparently a faraway part of the Earth's atmosphere that acts as a sound channel. Okay. In this part of the atmosphere, sound waves travel for thousands of miles without interference, much like in the depths of the ocean. So the scientists believe that if they sent microphones into this tropopause, tropopause, they could eavesdrop on, you know, other countries, maybe... Nuclear tests as far away as the Soviet Union. Sneaky. Super sneaky, sis. So Project Mogul was conducted out of Washington, D.C. 
and the Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico, with some high-altitude balloon launches taking place in the high desert near the state's border with Texas. Typically, a Project Mogul balloon sent into high altitude stretched 657 feet from tip to tail, 102 feet taller than the Washington Monument. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A singular object is that big? Yes. So this balloon, this weather balloon that they sent up. Okay. Had stretched from 657 feet total. That is, again, 102 feet lo- like taller than the Washington Monument. I don't know if y'all have seen the Washington Monument. It's tall. It's big. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what like the retail value of that is. <laughs> so, so I'm just thinking about like the materials. It's so much money. So as these balloons ride into the upper jet stream, they start heading towards Russia. Of course they do. Or the uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. The long tail yeah. equipped with different types of sensing and listening devices trailing behind them. But obviously something happened to this one balloon. And so they're saying that this giant balloon from Project Mogul is what crash landed onto Brazil's space. And that's why it didn't look like any weather balloon you'd seen before. That is fucking bullshit because that is ginormous that would have been a very very specific detail that would have been put in the newspaper you think that but here we go so the debris didn't look like typical weather balloons because it was a part of project mogul and they said it was the remains of a project that included a 700 foot long string of neoprene balloons radar reflectors retracting and sonic equipment that scientists had launched from a base in June that had crashed in that month of 1947. That's a lie. <laughs> Although much of the documentation about Project Mogul has now been declassified, it wasn't at the time. So it's a whole lot less fun. But also, it's just a whole lot less fun and, than and the idea of aliens. Obviously, it's a lie. No, we because the project was highly classified to a level that they're saying nobody at Roswell's army base would have had any reason to know about it, which is why they were so enraptured by the idea of it, which is why they released the press release about it. They were like, hey, fucking flying disc, look at all this stuff. And then the other people finally came in and they're like, Psh, we already know about that one. Um, Leave it alone. Stop talking to the papers. That is not how that would work. Because obviously it wasn't contained to Roswell, that that military base. People in the uppers would have known and they would have immediately went, hey, no. Well, here's, no. here's the paragraph I had written. Because the project was highly classified, nobody at the Roswell airfield knew it existed, so they had no idea what to make of the objects found in the field. I mean, that in part fact, makes sense. Some officials on the base were worried that the wreckage had actually come from a Soviet Union plane or satellite or spy of some way, like trying to gather information. I mean, again, makes sense. And that made them reluctant to share with the public because they were worried that it was going to look bad for us. Totally. Totally. But the uppers would have swooped in before that first PR person gave so much information and they would have been like, hey, 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 hey. I just want to let you know, we can't talk about it. (laughs) We're going to give you this Story Like, this is not the 1800s. They have communication devices, obviously. So, the weather balloon story 
flimsy as it is, um, is actually the simplest and most plausible explanation for what they could come up with on such short notice at the time. Meanwhile, to protect the science project, no one at the uh, what what the project mogul base could step in without endangering what they'd put out there. You could come up with something else, man. The official statement, and I mean official, like I went on the U.S. Air Force's website about yeah. this. The official statement on the U.S. Air Force's website says, Air Force activities, which occurred over a period of many years, have been consolidated and are now represented to have occurred in two or three days in July of 1947. Aliens observed in New Mexico's desert were actually anthropomorphic test dummies that were carried aloft by U.S. Air Force high-altitude balloons for scientific research. The unusual military activities in New Mexico desert were high-altitude research balloon launches and recovery operations. Reports of military units that always seem to arrive shortly after the crash, retrieving the saucer and the crew, were actually accurate descriptions of Air Force personnel engaging in anthropomorphic dummy recovery operations. Claims of alien bodies at the Roswell Army Airfield Hospital were most likely a combination of two separate incidences. One, a 1956 aircraft accident where 11 Air Force members lost their lives, and two, a 1959 manned balloon mishap in which two Air Force pilots were injured. The report is based on a thoroughly documented research supported by official records, technical reports, film footage, photographs, and interviews with individuals who were involved in these events. Unquote. That's bullshit. <laughs> Brittany's not buying this. For I'm a not second. buying You're it. You're going full Mulder on this Look, shit. I, I just, I'm trying to be as scully as possible, and you are going full Fox. I'm not even going full Fox. I'm going, this does not make sense. Like, okay, I I accept the fact that they were dummies. Not not literal dummies falling from the sky, but they were idiots. Because <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people in government, whether or not it's like big government or local government, they they think that it is better to have some sort of a, a side story or or like lessen it. When mm-hmm. in reality, telling the truth will solve more issues than not telling the truth because you're making it shady as fuck. It makes it seem like you're hiding something. I, it just doesn't add up to me. <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't add up to me. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I will, I will throw out there to the world that we've had a couple of glasses of wine at this point. I am still thinking quite logically. <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. If I listen back to this and I find myself embarrassing. Then you'll put a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode being like, I've had three glasses of wine. <laughs> and I really believe in aliens when I've had three glasses well, of wine. Well, I, okay, my. I'm not against it. I'm here for it. I think this is amazing. I'm paying a lot of Because I feel attention. like I have to convince you a lot. I and know. I, I'm loving that I don't have to do the convincing on this episode. You are not telling me anything that's going to con- like convince me otherwise. So far, <laughs> these guys, if if anything, they are bad communicators. They obviously needed some women 
on their team to help them (laughs) with expressing themselves in a way that people will understand because they are not doing very well. (laughs) Okay. So keeping all of this in mind and reminding you all that this is me trying to take multiple accounts, including things released by the U.S. government, things released by newspapers, and things released by various sources that are more on the uh, conspiracy theory I feel like you're being very concise. I'm trying. I feel like you're doing a really good job. I'm trying. So today, knowing all of this, many people continue to believe that the government and the military are actually covering up the truth about extraterrestrial landings in and around the Roswell area. Because they're being shady as fuck. Right? And they always have been. So 30 years ago, in 1994, the Pentagon declassified oh, most... No. 30 years ago, 1994. No, Kayla, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. So okay. the Pentagon declassified most of its files on Project Mogul and the dummy drops. And the federal, like, general accounting office produced a report that was designed to debunk all of these rumors. But it doesn't matter when the government debunks their own rumors because what is the government doing? Is anybody going to believe that they're actually debunking things? Like, you're releasing a statement of your own accord. Is it actually debunking anything or are you just hiding more? Is basically where the thought process was landing at this point. It's like that guy who went back and he changed all of his Facebook statuses for like years and years mm-hmm. and years back to make it seem like he was predicting the future when in reality he had just went back and edited them. Yep, exactly. And then everyone's like, oh my God, you're right. The data on this is correct. Yep, exactly. So nevertheless of their attempts, there are still people who subscribe to the idea that the the hundreds of thousands of curiosity seekers out there that visit Roswell and the crash site are correct. They want to find the truth for themselves and they have a right to do it and they are probably right. Like those people who said we're going to go uh, storm Roswell. I got that in here. Yep, I got that in here a little bit later. So at this point, I've been telling you a mostly very skeptical analysis of what happened. And but, I've been debunking it. I know you have. <laughs> but what about those that the believe otherwise? I mean, this story doesn't really seem enough to garner the Roswell name, you know? Like, I say Roswell. People know what I'm talking about. I'm like, huh. it's like somebody talks about something weird in the sky. I go, <laughs> Roswell. They know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, in all fairness, if you're a millennial, you watch the TV show. I didn't. I have never seen Roswell. What? You gotta. I watch X-Files. That was my thing. I mean, I watched that too. But. I know, but I'm just saying I never watched Roswell. Like that wasn't, X-Files was all the, all the shit I needed to get really heavily invested in this, apparently. <laughs> and obviously unexplained mysteries. Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. So knowing all of this where the government immediately dismisses things as balloons, it's not enough to generate the the, the legend surrounding the Roswell name. The story of the Roswell UFO crash was actually rediscovered and reamped in 1978 by nuclear physicist turned UFOologist Stanton T. Friedman, 
who was tipped off that a retired military man had an interesting story to tell, none other than Jesse Marcel. That was the gentleman from the beginning of my story, the one that, as you so pointed out, like just kept releasing too much information to the press. Oh, the PR guy. (laughs) Yep. So... You, you said his name like I should know it. And I'm like, Marcel, Marcel the Shell? So Marcel told Friedman that the weather balloon explanation had been a cover story. Obviously. And that the photos had been staged with weather balloon debris being substituted for the real wreckage. Obviously. He claimed that everyone involved in the retrieval was clear that the object had indeed been an extraterrestrial spaceship. According to an article in uh, BBC Sky at Night... Over the next few years, researchers dug deeper into the mystery, tracking down many key players, locating additional witnesses, and trying to piece together all that had happened. Right. According to them, a number of retired military personnel who had been based at Roswell corroborated some of the elements and were like, yeah, no, he's correct. Like, that's what happened. And then they started adding their own details. But skeptics argued that they were simply telling the researchers what they wanted to hear. Which Why would they do that? They're, they're putting fake, their lives on the line. Fake internet points, man. That's I'm going back to last episode. I talked about how people will do things for the fake internet points. I mean, this was not internet point time, but it's the idea, I think, of it. I get that as a potential excuse, but I do think that we've already been made aware that the government will take people out who are... Mm-hmm. Doing things that I want you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's more dangerous for them to say it than it is for them to not say it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are on your page. But then there were other people that were like, no, they're just trying to write themselves into the story of history. They're trying to make themselves a bigger part than they are, which you do see with tragedies. People are like, oh, this was my favorite person. And you find out later that they didn't know them at all. It's yep. a Dear Evan, Dear Evan Hansen type of scenario. I mean, I get it. But not with military personnel. Like their their commitment to their country is like the number one thing they hold on to. Well, despite this debate that me and you are having right now, which is consistent throughout the years. Books were written. Documentaries were made. Drama series. Movie awards. All of these things. And they were all based on the idea of a UFO crash that became so embodied in pop culture that we now know it as Roswell. Right. Everyone knows Roswell. That embedded it into our society. By now, the fact and the fiction are getting blurred and the narrative was uh, beginning to incorporate other UFO conspiracies. So it was no longer just about Roswell. Now, it's all about Area 51. And what the government is hiding and what are aliens. So it was claimed, for example, that the wreckage had been taken to Area 51 where attempts were made to reverse engineer the alien aircraft. Such storylines would subsequently turn up as plots in movies like Independence Day, one of my all-time favorites. Will Smith could get it. Jeff Goldblum could get it. Two very, very sexy men. Yes, yes. And then obviously TV shows like our second bonding TV show, (laughs) X-Files. And then in 1995, a video emerged saying that it showed an alien autopsy and was leaked from the U.S. government. 
Oh, they made reference to that in X Files. Yeah. Did you ever watch it? I don't think so. I if you try like- to watch if you try to watch it now, it's not. I mean, I'm just going to tell y'all right now, it's not worth the time. It's definitely a fake. It's like it's not well done. At the time in '95, it was probably really well done. Now it's not. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, it's been confirmed as a hoax at this point. Like the actual production company that came out with it was like, yeah, we were just trying to get views. But at the time, it was a big deal. Like the Blair Witch Project. Exactly. And at the time, it generated international news. Like it was being, apparently this whole Roswell incident thing is big in the UK. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Aliens. So during the 90s, the US government succumbed to media and public pressure and launched their own retrospective investigation and published two reports, the first in 94 and then the second in 97. The conclusion of the first report was the same we'd already heard, that this was a weather balloon and it was a result of Project Mogul. Except for it it wasn't a weather balloon. It was a communication spy balloon that was as tall as the Washington Monument. But they're going to keep calling it a weather balloon. They're just going to keep doing it. But that's not what it was. Weather balloons track the weather. <laughs> uh, skeptics say the highly classified nature of the monitoring project explains any apparent oddities and the handling of the incident. So they're saying oh, all of these it. arguments no. that no. you are bringing up are just... Like, they're saying these arguments that you're putting out there into the world are are easily explained by the fact that they're just trying to hide stuff. But of course they're hiding stuff. It's the government. But that doesn't mean they're hiding aliens. That's what they're getting at there. I don't think that I could roll my eyes any more <laughs> aggressively. And then they even say, it's even possible that the flying disc story was a local initiative designed to throw the media off the true story of the Project Mogul. Oh, those two cute little newspapers? Okay. That they, they that they then classified. So their idea is being that due to the tension at the time, 1947, between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, that aliens would be easier for the public to digest rather than the threat of the Soviet Union and the U.S. coming to a massive... <sighs> Okay, then why did they make all those children learn to hide under their desks because the Soviets were going to drop a bomb on us? I wasn't alive during this point, so I don't, I, I'm just saying that that was their argument. It was like aliens are better than the already widespread panic. My brain cannot compute because <laughs> this argument is so dumb. The second report years later, uh, which coincided with the 50th anniversary of the actual incident, was... Honestly, it wasn't trying to calm people down. It was almost like egging them on. None of the original reports had mentioned alien bodies, and even Jesse Marcel denied those aspects, the alien bodies of the story. But the United States Air Force felt that they had to address the issue with their theory and suggested that people had connected the crash tests and the anthropomorphic test dummies and... Then we're trying to like try to find the report is weird and not difficult to read. I tried to read it and like map it out, but they were trying to find these ways to like connect these test dummies to the aliens. And it ended up reading really weird. Like they were over denying the aliens, but then at some point you're like, okay, so are they over denying to a point where they're 
admitting the aliens. It was right. They're like over. It's almost like they're over explaining. And you're like, I, mm, I don't know. That doesn't you. You could have just left that out and it would have been much better. I know. Bad PR guys. Yeah. No, it was it's, it was actually really terrible. And to a point where you're like, I was going to try to read some of this on here and yeah. test it out. And the reports are just filled with scratching out and handwriting and I couldn't even find a way to read it that was legible. So I'm just leaving it with, it was bullshit. It's bullshit. I mean, most of this is, so. (laughs) Even for neutral recipients, people who were not super skeptical or super believable, they were like, this is a stretch. Either way, at this point, the, the Roswell incident had become the UFO community's like flagship case. They were like, this is our, this is our, this is the thing we can kiss. we can rally around. This yep. is the proof that we needed to say that aliens exist. The city of Roswell was all for it. They embraced it. They they started a UFO museum. They had annual events that marked the occasion. And Roswell now has such name recognition that several US presidents have alluded to the UFO incident at Roswell. In speeches and interviews, usually making like, you know, like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, like quip. But sometimes they seem to be playing it straight to make people wonder. And you're like, is that an additional? Like, is that a meta nudge, nudge, wink, wink, wink? Or are they serious? Well, the word on the street is that when you become president, you get shown like files. Yep. Of all the national secrets, which I kind of have a feeling that they didn't do for Trump. And that's why everybody comes out of the office like a weekend looking 10 years older right. than Right, Obama before. was like, he was he was a fresh, fresh young lad and then he was just like gray. Yep, yep. <laughs> so fast forward to now. The topic of UFOs have been steadily transitioning from fringy conspiracy theory and X-Files fans to mainstream at least in the U.S. This process started in December of 2017, from what I can find. Uh, There were two articles from the New York Times. Firstly, there was a revelation that the U.S. Navy had videos of UFOs taken from, like, its fast jets. And second, the existence of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP. The exact role of AATIP is still disputable for lack of a better term but the pentagon confirmed that it is in part a way to study ufo data and then they quickly point out that ufo doesn't mean aliens ufo means something we don't know it's in the air we don't know what it's from unidentified flying object exactly so when i point all this out i'm not immediately saying aliens but they are saying this is part of part of it is identifying unidentified flying objects yeah This is significant because previously, the U.S. government said that its official interest in the topic ceased at the end of 1969 when Project Blue Book was terminated. So they're trying to say that from 69 to 2017, we were like, ah, we just didn't pay attention. It's fine. It's fine. So the New York Times story was seized upon by Congress And the classified briefings followed with a number of high-profile politicians, both on both sides of the aisle, were speaking on the issue. That means nothing to me. The government lies. 
Yeah. Wow. I'm getting really <laughs> You're like, feisty right now. This is why I'm very excited to go back to ghosts. We get very excited and happy. This just stresses us it out. It stresses me out. <sighs> I'm just trying to be honest, but they're not being honest. <laughs> In the summer of 2021, <laughs> the Office of the Director of National Intelligence published an inconclusive preliminary assessment that stated that most of the sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena remained unexplained. Obviously, they're all weather balloons. More recently, multiple UFO-related provisions were included in a defense bill requiring the Department of Defense, the military, and the intelligence community to work together to resolve these mysteries. And Congress wants to know if these mystery objects are drones operated by, you know, angry other countries in the world, or are they actually unidentified like we know they're unidentified but is like is this aliens or is this just other countries is where they're getting at right are they unidentified because it could potentially be aliens or are they unidentified because we don't know who they belong to and because of this vagueness this has set the ufo community into a freaking and predictable frenzy Mm -hmm. all this means that The memory of Roswell and that incident is still significant because the idea being like in 2024, if we can't get the government to like, they'll tell us something, but they won't tell us everything. Why should we trust what they said in 47? They said disc, but then they said weather balloon. And then later they said this and then they said that. And now where they're saying it's this and it's another country, but it could be that. I mean, it's like anyone who lies to you. If they flip-flop too much, you're suspicious. Exactly. So, Roswell, always in the spotlight. It represents a sort of ground zero for the UFO phenomenon. Mm -hmm. But what about the other ground zero? What about Area 51? But isn't that near Roswell? They're near, but they're not the same thing. Okay. Okay. Area 51 is an area everyone references for its secretiveness area 51 has spawned more conspiracy theories than any place i can think of honestly Mm -hmm. certainly more than any other military base like maybe there's other places that spawn conspiracy theories in general but they didn't lie so much but it wouldn't be that big of a deal if we're doing government conspiracy theories i would have to argue that area 51 is the king I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe in a different population, there's something that is just as equal, but as a general public. Yeah. So what is actually known about this secretive place? Well, Area 51 is a U.S. Air Force military installation. <laughs> the pause. I just dramatically sipped lap. my wine. Like, what's known? This sip. Anyway. It's about 120 miles northwest of Las Vegas, somewhere between the mile markers 29 and 30, along Nevada's Extraterrestrial Highway, a.k.a. State Highway 375. But Extraterrestrial Highway sounds better. Well, it does. And also, it's called that because of all the experiences that happen there. So you get there via an unmarked dirt road. Although no buildings are visible from the asphalt, the track leads to 
Groom Lake or Homie Airport, as it's called on civilian aviation maps. Homie. Wait, what was the last thing you talked about that was homie? That was last week. We were talking about the Area 51 oh, caller. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I was like, no, we talked about this before. I said rolling with my homies. <laughs> aliens being homies. So for those in the know, this road leads to a military base with many unofficial names. And this is actually the first I heard that Area 51 has many unofficial names. It's uh, Paradise Ranch. Watertown, Dreamland Resort, because apparently we're at Disney World now, Red Square, The Box, The Ranch, Nevada Test and Training Range, Detachment 3, Air Force Flight Test Center, and Area 51. So if you ever hear any of those referenced, they're all talking about the same space. So in high school, I had a really good friend named Lindsay and she had a brother named Mitch. And one day, I could not remember the name Mitch. So I refer to him as the boy child Lindsay. Okay. And if you break it down, boy child Lindsay, it sounds like Buckle. So then I started calling him Buckle. And I feel like this is exactly the same instance with all those <laughs> other names. Is that someone just decided... That this was going to be a nickname. And then they're like, totally. It's totally called The Box. Yeah. I just want my house to be referred to as Dreamland Resort. So that people can show up expecting great things. And then just come across my like little split level. And your fucking... weird little cat. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I love your cat. But weird little cat. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen her recently. Oh, Fizgig looking rough. You should come visit her soon. I should. I should. <laughs> she was my best friend for a while. <laughs> Okay, so Area 51 is not accessible to the public. Let's be very clear about that right now. Not accessible to the public. Don't even try. I don't know why anyone would think that it would be. It's I don't know. There's a bunch base. of fucking people that decided to storm it. Area 51 is not accessible to the public. I don't think they did. They just weren't talking a big game. So it's under 24-hour surveillance, and employees reach the facility by way of airplane. They fly in and out of a restricted terminal... What? At uh, McCarran International Airport on one of several unmarked planes permitted to fly through the airspace above. Adding to the secrecy, satellite imagery of the installation was censored until 2018. Like Mel's Hole. You couldn't, but it wasn't like your, like it was just blurry. Okay, so it was blurry. It wasn't a, a box Big bl- out. Yeah, but it's the same idea. Right. Because Mel's Hole was pre, like, Google Maps. This is saying Google Maps. Google Maps' approach to things you shouldn't see was blurry. Okay. Okay. Before World War II, the area near Groom Lake was used for silver and lead mining. Wait, I have a question. Is it no longer blurry on Google Maps? It was apparently uncensored in, after 2018. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so before World War II, the area near Groom Lake was used for silver and lead mining. Once the war began, the military took over this area and began using it for research, mainly weapons training. When the CIA started developing oh. and then creating spy reconnaissance planes during Cold War, the CIA director Richard Bissell Jr. realized that a private base was needed to build and test prototypes. Yeah, based upon alien technology. 
I thought we covered that. In 1955, he and Lockheed aircraft designer Kelly Johnson selected this area at Groom Lake to be their headquarters. The Atomic Energy Commission added the base to the existing map of the Nevada test site and then labeled it Area 51. Within eight months, engineers developed the U-2 plane. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I just want to do it. That no longer surprises me. I was waiting. I was just sitting here holding my glass of wine going, I'm waiting for her to sing U-2. (laughs) If you would get on my level, you could sing so I wouldn't have to sing in my own songs. You know, I'm not a good singer. (laughs) I'm not either. But you do it with such passion. (laughs) All right. So, so they developed the U-2 plane. It could soar at an altitude of 70,000 feet, much higher than any aircraft at the time. And this allowed pilots to fly well over the Soviet radar. You know what's interesting, though? Yeah. That's 10,000 feet less than Than Mel's Mel's Hole. hole. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea being that they could create a plane that would outwit the Soviets, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after a U-2 was shot down by a Soviet anti-air missile in 1960, the CIA began developing the next generation of spy plane at Area 51, a titanium-bodied A-12. It was nearly undetectable to radar, and it could fly across the continental United States in 70 minutes. That is 2,200 miles an hour. The plane was also equipped with cameras that could, from an altitude of 90,000 feet, longer than the known depth of Mel's Hole, (laughs) photograph objects that were just one foot long on the ground. No. Yeah. What? As of today, Area 51 is visible on Google Maps. The only confirmed use of the installation is as a flight testing facility. During World War II, the U.S. Army Corps was use the site as like an air gunnery range, but that's all they've kind of admitted. Mm -hmm. Also, I would not be surprised if they have a set photo on Google Maps. I'm also not surprised by that thought. Like I've seen enough, I've seen enough heist movies where they like override the cameras for it to be when there's emptiness. Oh oh yeah, no, absolutely. They like picked a day, they were like Google, fly over right now. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And then never again. <laughs> On June 25th of 2013, the CIA approved the release of declassified documents chronicling the history of the U-2 aircraft and Oxcart programs in response to a Freedom of Information Act request. The release of those documents marked the first time that the government officially acknowledged the existence of Area 51. So just the existence of it? Just the existence of it. Prior to that, they were like, eh. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Since 2013, not much other information has been released, really. So it's been, tw- they like, it went from non-existent to 2013 being like, yeah, it's here, to 20 years later, them not releasing much else. They are not good at this. Seriously, I'm telling you, they need a new PR person. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Kayla, you've been talking a lot about the government. What about the fucking aliens? Many people have reported seeing <laughs> unidentified flying objects in or around Area 51. Yeah, it's and, it's famously known for it. <laughs> this is the popular idea behind this area. It's an area for extraterrestrial research. And how did that come about? 
1989, a man named Robert Lazar, or Bob Lazar, claims he worked on extraterrestrial technology inside Area 51. Lazar told Las Vegas television reporter George Knapp that he saw an autopsy of aliens inside the facility and that the U.S. government used the facility to examine recovered alien spacecrafts. Lazar's credentials were soon discredited. According to many records, they found that he never went to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where he said he did, or the California Institute of Technology, where he said he did, as he claimed. At the time, though, engineers at Area 51 were studying and recreating advanced aircraft, just aircraft acquired from other countries. But he was saying, yeah, they're duplicating this. And they were like, yeah, it's from other countries. And he's like, no, it's from outer space. And then it sparked this whole debate. Nevertheless, with all the high-flying tech information out of Area 51, including more than 2,850 takeoffs of random planes that they were test flying, reports of unidentified flying objects skyrocketed in the area. Although Lazar himself was discredited, his claims spun numerous government conspiracy theories, most of which involve extraterrestrial life. When they talk about what could be prompted by this, uh, a journalist named Annie Jacobson wrote a book on Area 51 and she said, Aircraft's titanium bodies moving as fast as a bullet would reflect the sun rays in a way that could make anyone think UFO. So she's writing a book on Area 51 and she's saying they're testing these, uh, I don't know what, like experimental aircrafts and she's trying to write it off as not UFO, but nobody's really believing her. (laughs) A 2019 interview with Lazar on a popular podcast inspired a Storm Area 51 event Bring it back around. (laughs) We bring it back around. That's what we do on this podcast. In which about 6,000 people showed up in the desert to look for the evidence of aliens. Wait, people actually showed up? Apparently about 6,000 of them, yes. Wow. It eventually morphed into just a festival celebrating all things aliens. Not all of these people were like, yeah, let's storm it. They they just wanted to talk to other people about it. So it was like Burning Man, but with aliens? Yep. (laughs) So the Storm Area 51 event started out as a joke, but it has become kind of a viral phenomenon, something people talk about a lot. They headed into Nevada in an effort to see if the truth was out there. And it turns out they really weren't because they also just wanted to see them aliens, as I think you referenced. I think you said that. Oh, did I? Yeah. That makes sense. That sounds like something (laughs) I would say. So while the event spawned music festivals and other related events, the secret military base located in the desert was pretty much kept safe from these idiots. (laughs) But keeping in mind that this is something people talk about, they want to storm the Area 51. We want to talk about why, because I've been trying to keep everything very military-based, trying to be very level. But also, didn't you say that people can only fly into it now? Yes, but... Only authorized people can fly into it. Now right. they were gonna like so even if they did storm the gates, yeah, they so wouldn't speak, be able to. They wouldn't be able to actually can't get, get in because I mean, only authorized people can fly in. I mean, it. they could get in. It's still the desert, but like how many miles? I didn't even look it up. How people, many miles would they have to walk past those like secure gates before they would it, actually meet anything of any significance? 
they have guns, man. Don't do it. Don't I'm do just it. Again, they, they hurt the horses and the people in the front. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do don't it. Don't storm Area 51. Don't, if the military takes over your hole, just let them. Like, it's stupid to do otherwise, honestly. It's just dumb. The best course of action. They never take my guns. They can take your guns, buddy. Well, they can. just shoot you. They don't need to take, well, they take them after you're dead. I mean, your best course of action is to like really get to be like besties with Anonymous. Yeah. So that they can, even then, hack they're in. not as powerful as they think they are. I mean, they're more powerful than, than I me. Am. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but still, yeah. All right, so I forgot what this lead-in was going to be, but eventually I was going to talk about <laughs> what the top conspiracy theories are associated with Area 51. Okay. Which we kind of touched on last week, or two weeks ago. And also all the things that I just keep interjecting yep. rudely. So the biggest one is, of course, about the Roswell incident and how an extraterrestrial ship crashed into Roswell and was transported to Area 51. As we discussed, the 1947 crash of a disc-shaped aircraft in Roswell kicked off uh, UFO speculation worldwide. And the apparently, the 1945 report on airplanes designed by Germany's Horton Brothers included reports of unusually shaped parabolic aircrafts. Two years later, after the crash of a foreign disc-shaped aircraft in New Mexico... That is when the Roswell incident happened. So that was kind of what I hinted at earlier. Wait, sorry, just to clarify. So Germans made aircrafts that were unusual shape? A 1945 report on airplanes designed by Germany's Horton brothers included reports of unusually shaped parabolic aircrafts. Okay, so they're... Their reasoning is that, like, Germany has been working on unusually shaped aircrafts, and then after that, in Roswell, there was a crash, and so maybe it was a German plane. From what I can find, again, these report. this is me, again, trying to piece together 3,000 different conspiracy theory things and putting them all together in a timeline. Oh, for sure. I was just trying to clarify as yeah. to it. I'm so sure I'm I not sense. saying that... The Roswell incident is this, but it might be relevant for the disc shape thing. Okay. But Roswell is still throwing out there the weather balloon project mogul thing. Which is interesting because in 1947, it definitely would have made significantly more sense to say it might be a a German aircraft because they've been working on different funny shapes. Well, and that's actually funny because uh, actually in July of 1947, around when our Roswell incident happened, the counterintelligence corps embarked on a manhunt across Western Europe to locate the Horton brothers and ask them about these saucer disc airplane shape things. See, they should have brought that up. <laughs> I'm telling you, bad PR, man. So all of this together led to the theory that Area 51 reverse engineers alien spacecrafts. That's one big conspiracy theory. This is what Mulder told me. I'm just saying. Bob Lazar, as we discussed, he worked for uh, a secret military base at S4, which he said was several miles outside of Area 51. And according to Lazar's claim, he saw flying saucers that were powered by element 115 years before it was discovered by man. 
Lazar claims that he is still being tracked and monitored by the U.S. government 30 years after he exposed Area 51 to the world, according to media reports. I'm sorry, what element was that? 115. He was apparently the subject of a 2018 documentary, Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. I looked it up. I couldn't find it on Netflix. I did find a 2021 documentary on Netflix called Top Secret UFO Projects, Declassified. But it wasn't very good. I did watch all of it. It wasn't very <laughs> good. But it wasn't good. very good. Okay. So it is a chemical. It's a synthetic chemical element. Okay. But it was first synthesized in 2003. I don't know. That's I'm just. I'm, okay. Well. Sister. Sister who is a chemist. Tell us more. Element 115. Tell me more. I will read it in, in next week's episode. So, yes, Lazar's claims kind of lead to the next major theory that is out there. Extraterrestrials are being kept hostage at Area 51. Again, Mulder told me this. That's right. In conjunction with the alien spacecraft that conspiracy theorists believe are at Area 51, they think in the, like, Independence Day style, they're like, oh, we've got this thing trapped here. Also, there's an alien behind a gate, and they're waiting to kill Data from Star Trek. Girl, you got to watch Roswell. Just watch the first season. You don't have to commit to the other ones. And it's interesting because that one girl ended up being like besties with that cult leader. And now she's in jail. I'm learning so many things right now. You didn't okay. know about this? Okay. Well, you you need. Okay. Watch watch the first season. Just, just watch it. According to the summaries I could find, because I couldn't find that Bob Lazar doc, yeah. Laser said that he was walking down a hallway at S4 and for an instant he saw a small gray extraterrestrial being between two men in lab coats through a small window. And Lazar claimed that as he was walking and looked, he was told by a guard to stop looking and move along. So that leads us to the theory alien autopsies have been performed at Area 51. Conspiracy theorists believe that following the supposed extraterrestrial spacecraft that crashed in Roswell, the dead bodies of aliens aboard were taken to Area 51 and dissected. Or... And also apparently... Dismembered. (laughs) Also apparently thrown out of planes. Yes. Area 51 is also apparently the base of the Majestic or the Majestic 12... Or the MJ-12. A secret committee working to create a one-world government run by the human and extraterrestrial alike. Although that documentary I was talking about on Netflix just said it was a group of people trying to control all of this information as it was released. Uh, Majestic 12, also known as Magic 12, and MJ-12 for short, is a purported organization that appears in UFO conspiracy theories. The organization is claimed to be the code name of a secret committee of scientists, military leaders, and government officials formed in 1947 after Roswell by the executive order of U.S. President Harry S. Truman to facilitate recovery and investigation of alien spacecraft and other materials so distrust and suspicion led to disagreements between the uh ufology community over the authenticity of mj12 documents 
And so they are constantly debating, did this actually happen or is this more distractions from what I can tell? It's more distractions, dude. As for not alien related Area 51 theories, we have that Area 51 is home to the government's mysterious black helicopters. Okay. The government has apparently tested secret aircrafts at Area 51, as we know including the Cold War spy plane, the SR-71 Blackbird. However, conspiracy theorists believe that the military base is also the home of black helicopters, which are unmarked helicopters that are a symbol of military takeover in the United States. Like, this is where the men in black ride in. And this is where, when things happen that they don't want you to know about, they ride in on black helicopters. And they're all out of Area 51. Is it weird that when I think of the men in black, if they're not in a black helicopter, I, I, I just always assume they're in a Buick? No, that's not weird. Is that weird? Yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, what you think too? <laughs> black helicopters, which first appeared in news reports in the 1970s, are commonly associated with cattle mutilation, toxic chemical releases over various neighborhoods, and other supposed activities conducted by the U.S. government. And, of course, the one that I always find intriguing... The government controls the weather from Area 51. I don't believe that. Uh, This is another popular claim from theorists that the government has yet to set up a shop to control the weather, but they're trying. And while the government has put forth research projects in the past to modify clouds and the weather, according to a report from the National Science Foundation, there has been no evidence that the research took place at Area 51. And then the last most famous non-alien conspiracy theory is that they are trying to develop time travel. And that's all I could ever find on that. Nobody backed it up. They just said, Area 51 is trying to do time travel. I believe you should look up Project Pegasus. That just makes you think of Grey's Anatomy. All right, so we may never resolve the mystery. We We may never know what's behind Area 51. But the story of Area 51 speaks to us trying to know what's out there. The truth is out there. And as Fox Mulder says, I want to believe. But I don't know that I can after doing all this research. I want to believe. Wait, you you can't after doing all this research? I was so strong and so committed that I was going to find some things out here. But it just kept going down either super government ways of being like, this is all bullshit, or really wackadoo conspiracy theory ways that didn't give me anything at all. So now I am now on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one. I'm stuck, like last week, right in the fucking middle, and I don't want to think about this anymore. I'm so sad. Okay, first of all, first of all, we're going to take a moment to assume that aliens are paranormal, and they're not. They're real. I call it paranormal because it's anything outside of normal. normal. Yes. So I think this is really interesting because every time you've told an alien story, I've been very naysayer. Yeah. But I have spent way too many hours looking into this specific thing. Yes. And so now I'm stuck where you were with Mel's hole. I'm stuck in Mel's hole with you. It's not a great place to be. Mel's hole is just kind of dank and depressing. It is. Um, my okay. I am giving this a four point five. Oh my god, really? 
Yes. Should I be should I be proud of myself or just proud of the government at this point? We'll never be proud of the government. <laughs> They're liars. <laughs> and that is why it gets a 4.5 is because again, they could have just if they really wanted to dispel these rumors, all they would have had to do is say some very specific things. And they those specific things could have been lies in and of themselves, but they kept trying to like work around it because they knew they were going to get caught in a lie. And in the end, their their reasoning is it's it's not logical. They're being <laughs> illogical. Like their arguments are are it's it's it's, it's dumb. They're dumb. I I would come up with some much smarter <laughs> words, but I can't right now. I think that they have been they've been so flip floppy and wishy washy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That it just it makes them seem more suspicious than it would have been if they had just been like really straightforward. But well, and then you get into the whole like is Hollywood involved? Are all of these things like Men in Black? And the fourth kind. And like, are they all put out here to make us think that our thoughts on it are ridiculous? This is why I want to just go back to some fucking ghost stories, babe. Can we just tell two ghost stories next week, please? Yes, we can tell ghost stories. It's not that I don't like it, but this is honestly on some level well, a it's little bit stressful. It's a little bit why I don't dig the true crime aspect as much. Right. Like ghost stories... We have some sad moments. We have some happy moments, whatever. But it's all typically very lighthearted. And and my brain has been thinking too much. And no matter what, even though we are folks who believe that ghosts exist, there is part of you that can always say, it's just a story. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. This, however, is a lot of like wonky documentation mm-hmm. of people who are not good at PR. I'm just I get <laughs> as, as somebody who is good it. as somebody who is is good at PR, she's very upset by this. I, I'm <laughs> actually not even good at PR. No, you are. But I would be better than they are. <laughs> like I've looked into two different communication jobs and I keep coming across all these PR things and I'm like, <laughs> no. I've seen things hit the fucking fan. If the U.S. government is involved, they should be better at explaining things in a way that people can disregard it, not like yeah. build up suspicion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that is that is my biggest issue with this is that I think that they are just they're they're so bad at trying to explain it. And if it really was as simple as it was, it wouldn't be that hard. You're right. You're right. You're right. Like that, I just I feel like it's the logical conclusion to draw. Like they that I mean I get it. That one guy, he admitted it was a saucer, and then he's like, no, it was a weather balloon. But also, if it was a fucking weather balloon, he shouldn't have fucking said it was a saucer. <laughs> Those are two so very specifically different things. You should have just said it was a weather balloon, and he didn't. He said it was a saucer. <laughs> Obviously, he's backtracking. <laughs> Because he would have had all the information to give to the public, and they're like, "No, it's, it's, it's we can tell him it's a saucer." Yeah, definitely. But if it's it was fine, a it's fucking fine, it's weather fine. balloon, they would have said that. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're being shady AF, and I don't believe them because they're being shady AF. Have you seen a flying saucer? Have you seen a weather balloon? <laughs> have you seen a ghost? You can tell us. 
leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can choose to include your name or remain anonymous, whichever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Hey, next week, ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be gallbladderless and it will be wonderful. Everything will be amazing. We love you and appreciate you. It's true, we do. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. Okay, bye. The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye.